conversation where one conversation can change a life. My name is JC Macias, and here with me is my lovely co-host, Brianna Vallejo. Hello, thanks for joining us today. We have a very special guest joining us. I actually had the privilege of meeting her a couple of years back at a national conference. I was reflecting back on this time and I was thinking, wow, it's so insane to think about how many people we used to fit into one giant room <laughs> because that seems totally foreign right now. But I have really made so many valuable connections through conferences like that, including this one here. So I'm, I'm very excited to now be talking to her here on this podcast. We've run into each other a few times in the past couple of years, just throughout our work in the field. So I'm very excited for our paths to cross again today. And she has recently taken on a new position. So Marcella, if you'd like to go ahead and introduce yourself. Absolutely, thank you so much for inviting me um, to join Brie. Uh, and yes, it was wonderful to be able to meet you um, at the conference. And I agree with you, it seems so, foreign and almost twilight zone um, to be in a space like that, but I look forward to it. Um, I am Marcella Maggio and I am currently the prevention coordinator and storyteller at The Partnership, uh, short for California Partnership to End Domestic Violence. And I am really excited to be able to um, work with people and hear from them about their own lived experiences and to put it into a preventative lens um, when I write the story. So really looking for those preventative tools, all those um, you know tools of resilience that survivors are speaking of that maybe we don't really hear unless we're truly listening. So I'm excited for this, this new path and just um, meeting my worlds of uh, prevention and storytelling. Thank you so much, Marcella, for joining us. We were so excited for this episode. And so just to let you know, we always start off with some fun questions for our guests to really just uh, get everyone warmed up. And so here comes your first question, Marcella. Would you rather be able to read minds or be able to see the future? Ooh, ooh. <laughs> oh, wow, that's a tough one. Um either one of them seems so like um just ruining the surprise um <laughs> that's true <laughs> I don't know and it, it just seems so nosy if I just go into your mind without your consent uh so I'd say the future I guess <laughs> that is such a great response and so thoughtful yes. and mindful of you <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I like that, bringing in consent in there. That makes sense. I was thinking about this question, and I don't know what my answer would be. So <laughs> I would have to think through that one, too. So for our next fun question, there's one question we ask each of our guests that comes on. If you could have lunch with anyone, past or present, who would it be and why? Wow, this is an interesting I one. love this one. Oh, so many people are trying to pop up into my brain. Wow, it's I'm, I'm almost taking it just so personal. So it, it, like nobody will be able to know who this person is, and they should. 
um, because while she has left the world physically, uh, her works still remain. And um, she was one of my favorite people. Her name is um, Tracy Faust, and she did a book, um, Nowhere Near Normal. And um, the reason why she comes to my brain is because she was such a um, mentor for me. Uh, beyond that, just a friend. So I would love to be able to sit in in space with her and um, just find out uh, um, if she's figured out any of the pieces of the puzzle as far as what our upbringing does do. Um, um, if you know if there is really forgiveness and such uh ultimately and um what she would impart back to to me in, in in telling my story because she was definitely one of these people who pushed me to tell my story and she's probably somewhere right now thinking um why is it still sitting on a shelf so uh i would love to have <laughs> lunch with her and just find out um you know uh what her wisdom is yeah, thank you, Marcella. You know, I don't think I've heard of her, but now that you mentioned her and a little bit about her, I really want to explore more. So thank you. I may have to look into her. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. I need to write that down. <laughs> I know. I know. We may even have to link it below um, for this episode. So I think that may be a great idea for all of those who are interested, just like Bree and, and I are. So with that being said, let's just go ahead and dive into some of the main content for today's episode and conversation. So Marcella, tell us about the ACEs study and how does it impact your work with youth? Absolutely. So this um, ACE study, which stands for Adverse Childhood Experiences, was done in 1997 um, through Kaiser Permanente and um, Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. And what they were doing is they were looking at the link between, um, at the time, uh, people who were experiencing um, obesity and uh, wanting to find out, you know, what was their child look like? You know, what is there any patterns and such? And after asking these 10 questions, which uh, ranged from uh, living conditions to also your uh, upbringing. So um, uh, who were who were the people who were in your life and how were they in your life? Um, they started to see that a lot of people experienced um, different degrees of trauma. And it, it found that um, it was, it, on an average, it was one in four people who were experiencing at least one of these adversities. And so with... Um, with this information, they opened up the study even further, right? And uh, it was totaled that like over 17,000 people at the time were, um, were studied. And again, it still came out with the same measurements of at least one in four. And this isn't, uh, you know, for any of you who are familiar with Kaiser Permanente, um, this is a higher end, um, you know, uh, insurance, hospital, and such. And so it wasn't about, you know, they're going to the, you know, the clinics in, um, you know, impoverished places and such. You know, this is San Diego and, um, you know, middle to higher class, and they're experiencing trauma. So it really, you know, set the stage for what is trauma and what is happening in the home that we're not talking about and how is it extending further into our health later. 
So how I'm now using it in my work, especially working with youth, is um, as a preventionist, I had the privilege of listening to stories from youth. And I started making the connection of what was their ace? I really was curious. And so I, when I started to have the youth take the, the study as well, I started asking questions about conversations that were happening in the home. And what I heard time and time again was that no one was having conversations with these youth about relationships unless it involved drama. They'll be talking about drama all day long, but they weren't <laughs> talking about any healthy tactics. So this is where I thought we need to bring in the caretakers and the parents and really think about ways to show up for youth. And so that's how I incorporated the ACE study is focusing on the little within all of us. And have we studied ourselves? Have we looked at our own trauma before we even start working with you? Yeah, I think that's so powerful. Yeah, thank you so much for that explanation. Yeah, I remember when I first learned about the ACEs study, and I was kind of familiar with some of the concepts, but I watched the TED Talk from Dr. Burke about it, and that was really my first deep dive into really understanding the ACEs study. And I remember I shared it with my partner, um, who was actually in the medical field, and he said, oh, wow, like I hadn't realized that. It's such a, that makes sense, but I didn't realize that all in the same package. And everything that has come from it since then has been great. You know, there's some great awareness that's coming out about it, but there's also a large majority of people that haven't realized that, haven't been made aware of it yet. So I think that's great to be talking about it with youth. And we've talked about it on this podcast before that we all wish we got that healthy relationship <laughs> education when we were young. <laughs> and that's why we do it now. Yeah. All right. Our next question for you. What does it mean to show up for youth? And why is that something we should be doing? So what I when I'm talking with uh, adults, I really uh, like to bring them back to their own youth. And, you know, I... I like to do a mindful um, mindfulness activity where I have them just um, think about themselves at 14 years old and really think about um, what would it be like if they could go back and talk to themselves? What stories are popping up, especially, especially thinking about who as an adult do you have in your life at that age? that you can share those stories with safely. And I just let them think about that. And typically when they do, they come up with the reality that, wow, I, I didn't have an adult that I could talk to about things. Right. Um, or not everything, not the real things, you know. Um, I could talk to them about surface stuff, but no, I'm not going there with these people. And so, that really made me think about the ways that youth, in a sense, were lectured at uh, growing up or told what we shouldn't be doing. Um, but who's really having conversations with them? Like really just for the sake of getting to know youth. What I, what I really started to see was as a youth in my own home growing up, um, 
I am a middle child between two brothers and also of um, uh, my mother is Mexican. And so I felt very, uh, um, very split in, you know, um, in the middle because I'm the middle child, but then also because of this division of my father is, is white and has this mindset of, you know, really kids don't need to be seen and heard type of thing, right? Like kids are just there. And my mom looking at it as very much where the girls within the family culturally have to, you know, cater, clean, cook, you know, they take care of the family. And the boys, you know, they could just do whatever they want. So I really didn't like being a girl. I really didn't like being in this house where there was these roles put into place, this division. And I absolutely didn't feel safe talking to anybody about it. Because when I first attempted to, um, I was, uh, you know, I was given back uh, um, um, threats. Uh, that I don't talk like that. Um, I was um, also uh, physically abused as well. And then from my father, I was just plain, you know, neglected. Like he just didn't have time for it. So it wasn't safe to talk to anyone in my home. And I knew that. And I also had this underlying message that I knew it wasn't safe to talk about what was happening in my home. Um, because the first time where I had any kind of abuse that happened to my um, my body, uh, my mom had left a scar on my face. Um, when I was questioned about it at school, it's like it just immediately, I knew I can't be honest. I can't tell what really happened. So, you know, I just made it up into uh, a cat scratch type of a thing. And so these are the things that stayed with me over the years in being in spaces where I'm hearing stories from youth, thinking of my own stories from youth, and then talking to adults who still are just really hiding these stories of their own youth and thinking, how can we show up better for each other? Because this is about a mutual mentorship. And I feel like a lot of adults don't understand the knowledge, the the just overall uh, wisdom that youth provide because they don't give them that time. So how we can show for youth first and foremost is creating that space, um, taking the time, looking toward them, listening to them, um, and, and then it just builds on that. So really showing up for the youth in you first and foremost. Um, and then in essence, you can start showing up for the others um, uh, within your community. Thank you so much for sharing that, Marcella. I feel like it was just so powerful and it just resonated with me so much. And I think specifically when you talked about wanting to feel heard and seen, I clearly remember feeling that way in my childhood. Mm -hmm. You know, I really wanted to just feel heard and seen. And the way that I would try to do that is, you know, by being really good in school and getting the good grades and getting those awards. And when that wasn't getting me the attention that I wanted, 
I then turned into the, you know, alternative, which was by not behaving well, right? Um, and Or misbehaving. And so I think that's something that's so critical and important. And I think as adults, it's so important to kind of keep in mind, especially when mm-hmm. you're working with youth or you even have children of your own, right? Like you mentioned, kind of practicing that mindfulness of really thinking back of your childhood and how important it is to have a trusting adult. So I really, really appreciate you sharing that with us. So with that being said, you know, sometimes we can envision a world that we want, that we want it to be, but we don't know how to get there. What are some steps each of us can take to create a safer world for you? I know that's a loaded question. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it, you know, it, it really, uh, I, I, I so appreciated this question when I saw it. Um, and uh, it, it's, it reminded me of our ability to dream, our ability to dream big and, and, and really go there. Um, I, I feel like a lot of times we, we have these um larger than life dreams. And then that's exactly what we think that they are. They're just, they're larger than life. It's too much. It's not going to happen. And then I think about, look at the way that life has changed over the last hundred years, over the last 50 years, even after the last 30 years, since I was in high school, like, are you kidding me? The, to think that um, someone would be able to contact me at any given time, day or night, is, is that's a dream, right? Like, there's no way. That was like right. outer space for me. And now kids are growing up with that's life. Like, how, what, what would that be like if you couldn't reach me, right? So I say go there anytime, any way, and share that dream with others because that's how it expands. They, they, they buy into that dream. They want it too. So for me, my dream is really about, I, I really would love to be able to see a world where adults do not have an opportunity to work with youth in the spaces of uh, learning, um, mentoring, uh, providing care, unless they are actually um, a mandated trusted adult. Like I would say I would want um, someone to have done the work on themselves. Um, it's, it's one thing to be a mandated reporter and to say that if somebody says, uh, discloses to me that I'm going to show up for them and I will report this. And the reality is sadly, um, the structures that we currently are working with, there are not a lot of safe spaces in those own spaces. Um, Many people don't wanna call authorities or the helpers because they're not as helpful as we would like them to be. So until we have alternatives, um, alternatives to incarceration and turn alternatives to, you know, uh, foster care that is not um, a safe place for many youth. Until we have those alternatives, it's really about who are the trusted adults within the community? Who are the ones who have done the work internally and now have extended it into a mentorship program? 
um, they are trauma-informed. And what I mean by trauma-informed is they understand that we all have come from a place of some type of harm. So instead of asking what's wrong with you, it's what happened. Um, how can I be there for you? How can I show up? And we can't be there for each other in that way until we learn how to be there for ourselves first and foremost. And that's why when I talk about showing up for youth, I capitalize the you because it is really showing about uh, showing up for you first. Um, it's not a selfish thing. It, it, you know, we have to remember at the end of the day, it's our life. And ironically, um, I built my business and even um, titled it, It's My Life, because I heard that as a excuse, if you will, from so many people, specifically youth, over the years, whenever I questioned their unhealthy behaviors or relationships or mindset, and it would immediately be like, well, it's my life. But is it your life? if you don't even trust yourself to live it. If you're looking outside of yourself, constantly asking other people, how should I show up? What should I do? What's right for me? Then you don't trust yourself. And if we don't trust ourselves, how can youth trust us? So it's really, like I said, first and foremost, doing our own work on ourselves, dealing with our trauma, finding that resilience, being capable and knowing that we are in a good standing that now we can be of service, we can be of mentorship, and we can help youth guide their own lives. So as a trusted adult, I first and foremost believe that it's not about giving advice um, and telling you know people what to do. It's about providing the safe space where they can hear themselves without interruption, without judgment, and without direction. Because so many times we answer our own questions if we know that we are allowed to. Um, and then that builds that trust for ourselves. Um, so that's my, that's my overall big world is mandated, you know, people in places that are working with youth, people that have already shown up for themselves, and then will be able to better show up for you. Love that. Thank you so much, Marcella. Yeah, speaking of uh, like a dream world, I would love that as well. And you know, you just said if you share your dream with other people, they might latch on to it. Hello, this is me latching on to that dream <laughs> as well. <laughs> Yay! And just thinking thinking back to my 14 year old self, if I was living in a world where every adult I had interactions with was trauma informed, and wasn't asking the wrong questions of like, why are you behaving in this way, but was really getting down to the root of the issue. Oh my gosh, that would have been a completely different world for 14 year old me. So I absolutely align in that vision. I think that would be so beneficial for people to really understand the causes behind behavior. You know, it's not just, oh, they're being a teenager, they're being rebellious on purpose for attention, you know, but I, they might be wanting attention from what they're doing, but what's the reasoning for that? Let's look into that. And I think a lot of times that step is skipped. So mm -hmm. I think that's a, a great world to envision, absolutely. Our next question, how can we encourage youth 
to be their best selves? I love this question because it's interesting. When I was working with youth, um, and it, it never failed, it, it, regardless of where I was showing up, um, what space it was, whether it was a school or um, a, a, ten, a detention facility, after giving them time and asking questions, I would constantly hear, well, why do you want to know? Like, you know, why do you care what I have mm -hmm. to say? And um, it really made me start to think about how empowering it is in itself to just ask questions, right? To ask them and have them hear themselves, right? So, you know, if they're asking, well, what I should do, right? We'll set up the scene. Tell me what's going on, right? And then once they set up the scene, oh, that sounds great. And so what, what would happen next? And what would you do? And well, what if this scenario happens? You know, so with our wisdom, our experience as adults of having the opportunity to more than likely have gone down different paths, we have the advantage of knowing that there are different paths, right? We know this. Whereas we know as adults that youth aren't thinking necessarily of the consequences. I don't care. I'm, I'm living in the moment, which is beautiful, right? It's beautiful. We, we should all be living in the moment more. And <laughs> there are consequences. <laughs> so it's about having this space where they're setting the scene and then they are directing the action. How do they want to direct it? What does it look like? What does it sound like? What does it feel like when they get into that room? Have they thought about that? Right? And so not taking them into this place of overthinking and worrying, but just going there for a moment of really thinking about the options. And I think that's the thing um, um, about so many of our paths. And this is why I really lean on adults for this empowerment because so many of us as adults have not done the work on ourselves. We are showing up with the best of intentions, right? Uh, we know what it feels like to be neglected and, um, and hurt. And so we're showing up in a way that we feel, okay, this is what they need, but do they need it this way? So, this is where instead of coming in as a, as a savior and thinking I'm gonna rescue and help, no, I am just going to create space, sets, help you set scenes and you figure it out. I'm just here to mentor and also to model. And what I mean by modeling is, again, if I'm over here setting steam, you know, stages with you and, and giving you options and such, Am I looking at my own options or am I getting in my own head overthinking and worrying and freaking out and then I'm not even doing what I say, right? And what comes to mind with that is I am a huge fan of the series Cobra Kai. And in that series, uh, there are these um, uh, um, senseis who work with their students and um, in this one relationship, uh, Sensei Johnny is telling his student, Miguel, 
you know, like, oh, you know, because he wants to you know, ask this girl on a date and he's saying, you know, oh, yeah, you know, you could do this. And he's empowering him and, he, you know, he's getting motivated and excited. And then next thing you know, uh, the the sensei is having his own problem and Miguel overhears him and, um, you know, he tries to give him back his own advice. Right. And he's like, oh, you know, you can do this. You can do that. No, 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 I can't do that. I can't do that. There are rules. There are rules. You know, I can't do it like that. <laughs> what kind of modeling is that? So if you say it, say what you mean, mean what you say. That is the way we really empower youth to be their best self because they know it's possible to be better than before. Yeah, that's so true of working on ourselves before we can work on other people, quote unquote, work on other people. You know, I love that with holding space for them and making sure that we are modeling. I think about that in relationships too. You know, if you're parenting a teenager and it's actually healthy to have arguments that they can see so that they can see the healthy resolution of those arguments. Because if they just, if you hide all of your arguments, they're going to think, oh, I'm not supposed to have arguments. They're not going to learn how to have healthy arguments. Um, so I think that that's just something that came up for me, probably because I'm getting ready to be a parent soon here. <laughs> and I'm thinking about parenting. Uh, but that's I so true that. that our advice we have that we're like, oh, we need to work on impacting youth. We really need to take it onto ourselves first and make sure that we're living that out before we can tell them that it's a good idea to live it out. Absolutely. Yeah. I think one thing I've learned working with youth and I think just anyone overall, you know, they are observing us just like we're observing them. And so we definitely so true. need to model, right? <laughs> Especially when we are trying to empower them and support them. And we're telling them how healthy it is to practice self-care and take care, you know, and take care of yourselves. And uh, if we're neglecting that area and we're not doing that for ourselves, you know, they're just kind of like, you're giving me all this advice, but you're not practicing it. So that is something that has really pushed me and motivated to really do that inner deep work, right? Which is difficult. And we've talked about, you know, it's not always easy to do that. Um, sometimes we just want to set it aside and keep moving forward, but that always shows up in our work eventually, right? It becomes visible. So thank you so much for sharing that, Marcella. And, you know, with that being said, can you tell us of a story about how an adult was impactful in the life of a youth? Absolutely, yes. And um, it's it's actually my, my world's coming together um, to share this um, because like I had mentioned before, I have the opportunity right now at the partnership to um, to share you know, uh, stories about people throughout California who are experiencing um, different degrees of these ACEs. And again, I um, was really intentional about wanting to highlight an ACE in each story. And um, the, the story that I just recently worked on is actually an answer to this question 100% because it was about teachers and students and the hardships that each of them are facing with um, virtual learning and being, you know, quarantined at home. And while many of them are now going back to schools, even that transition in itself, like 
so many youth have gotten used to being at home and what does that now look like and how are these relationships going to cross over when we're all going into shared spaces. And then what happens to the ones who are still at, at home and not wanting to go back into those shared spaces? What happens to their relationships? Um, so in talking with the different uh, um, teachers, because I had the privilege of interviewing teachers and also youth throughout our state, and talking about uh, the different ways that they were feeling challenged by what was going on. And this one teacher in particular um, shared a story about how she has really set um, a, a wonderful check-in system with her youth. And it started because of one youth in particular who she noticed was just kind of uh, um, checking out, um, not being present, uh, uh, grades were dropping. And this is someone that she knew had had um, you know, really good history with her assignments and showing up. So she started to get concerned. And um, like I said, what really inspired me was the way that she called on the student. She called her in. Um, it wasn't about, you know, calling her out, making her feel less than, embarrassing her in front of the other students in any way. Um, she reached out, you know, and, and called her in privately to find out what was going on. And I was so taken with the story that I expanded on it and wrote it into um, what we titled Anna's Alarm, which is about a young woman who is... Um, experiencing similar strifes with um, being at home and um, Anna is actually in a garage and um, um, has her, you know, just because of space, she is now has her bedroom out in a garage. And what that does to her psyche, to her um, studying habits and how her teacher then reaches in and um, finds different ways to connect with her. Um, so I'm really excited about it, and I'm very thankful for the teacher for sharing that story with me because it um, uh, it let me know that teachers are human. What I was hearing from so many students, sadly, and, you know, at the, at the time, I understandably, was that they felt um, so much pressure to have their cameras on at all times and mm -hmm. uh, for various reasons, not wanting to have them on, you, you know, whether it's because of crowd, because they just don't want to look at their face and other people's, you know, um, they, you know, had this pressure. And um, what I would hear from a lot of students was, you know, the teachers don't care. They just don't care. They, they, uh, um, they're going to do whatever the school says and um, they don't care about my life. And so when I heard from this teacher and I saw how she went out of her way and took these steps and did this research, I was like, y'all have no idea how much <laughs> people really care. And, mm -hmm. um, but who cares about the teachers? So that's why I wanted to make it a twofold story. So you get an opportunity to not just look into Anna's life and how you can show it better for students like Anna, but what about Miss Bailey? Like who's a trusted adult in her life? How can we be there for her too? Because trusted adults are not limited to youth. We need to be trusted adults for one another as well. Yeah, I absolutely love that.
Yeah, that last part definitely just gave me chills. <laughs> I was going through that, uh, the digital story, and it's so realistic. I mean, the bedroom being in the garage, you know, sometimes you go through those, and I, I know that the partnership always has great content, you know, not to say that I wasn't expecting anything at this level that it was, but, uh, you know, sometimes you're like, oh, okay, I'm going to go through this digital story, and sometimes it's like, okay, this is cheesy. I didn't feel that way at all going through this. It was absolutely realistic. And the scenarios that it was bringing up, it, you know, even though we've been living through this pandemic, it really brought home all of those themes of the teachers have their own life that they are dealing with while they're trying to be there for the students. The students have <clears throat> their own life that they're not sure if the teachers care about, but they do. But how do you communicate that over Zoom when you have all these school policies that are in place that you have to leave the camera on? And oh my gosh, there's just so much that we have been dealing with over the past year. And it's it's a great look into what the students are going through, what the teachers are going through, and such a good point for us to be there for each other, even as adults, as we speak about being there for are people that we are in a mentoring relationship with, but also in a, just a friendship, just being there for the people beside us. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that reminder that, you know, although their teachers are also humans and they're also experiencing challenges. And sometimes we don't know what challenge, you know, every, anyone is experiencing, whether you are a child, a youth or an adult, right? We just never know. And sometimes it's not visible or sometimes, you know, it, it's not said straightforward. Um, but I love that she was so caring enough um, and probably trauma-informed enough to kind of pick up on some of those red flags or signs, right? So I love that. Absolutely. Thank you both um, so much for uh, allowing me to share it because, yeah, I, I, I am so... Um, I'm so thankful to all the teachers who just went there and the students, mm -hmm. you know, because like, especially talking to me again, um, you know, setting that stage, letting them know that, um, you know, nothing's, uh, nothing's off the table, right? Like, what do you want to say? Uh, this is the opportunity. So I'm very grateful that they, they all just brought it. Yeah, <clears throat> that's so great. And we'll include the links for the, digital stories. There's two now, right? Yes, there are two stories now and I'm working on a third, which this one will be centered Ooh. on um, young men. And I'm really excited oh, about great. this one because um, even though you, the saying goes, it's a man's world, um, do we really know how we are forming that world to be so small while they're so small, right? And so this, this is going to be an opportunity for us to look a little bit deeper into the lives of young men and why they're silenced. And then sadly, um, uh, many times continue that, um, that violence or, and many times to themselves mostly, right? Um, so I'm really excited. I've been working with some um, young men um, right now in, in uh, developing the story and um, I highly encourage adults out there who are working with youth um, in, a, in a preventative way. They are incredible storytellers. Um, they are preventionists at heart. Uh, it's just a matter of um, letting them hear themselves. Yeah, I'll definitely be looking out for that new episode and we'll include the mm -hmm. links for the other ones 
That's so great that you're using real life stories. Like I said, it's not cheesy content at all. I think if it was made up, it might be, but <laughs> these are real life stories and just really brings home all of those themes. So those are great. Any last thoughts before we wrap into our meditation here, Marcella? Um, I just, you know, really would uh, love for people to, um, you know, be easy on themselves. Uh, as adults, many times it's, it's, um, we get caught up in this guilt trap, if you will, of um, woulda, coulda, shoulda. And the reality is, is that we can always move forward with this knowledge. And so that's where it's about reflecting on your own inside kid. What did they want to let out? Um, what were they told that was shameful, uh, ugly, wrong of them? And really being with it and making it right. Because again, it's your life. And as long as you are not harming anyone, including yourself, live it, love it, learn from it, and then share that wealth with youth. Because when they see an adult being themselves, and they can feel it, they can feel it, right? And when they see that adult being themselves, it encourages them to want to be themselves too. So let your inside kid out and show up for youth. I guarantee you it will be that dream world before we know it if we do thank you all so much jc brie you guys are amazing i really appreciate the invitation and the opportunity to talk about this thank you so much no thank you it's been such a refreshing and amazing episode and thank you for this reminder i think definitely some self-kindness and being nice to yourself is always needed <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for being here and giving us those reminders. I think when I listen back to this episode, I'm going to be taking notes and I, some of them, like some of what you said, I could actually like throw on an inspirational poster and throw up here. <laughs> I just remodeled my office, so I need some wall decor. So yes. Well, and Bray and I always talk about how clothes are sometimes our self-care go-tos. So I yes. definitely feel the same way, Brie. Like everything she was saying, I was like, God, that is so inspiring. Like I feel so inspired yeah. right now. So this is a great way of me practicing self-care, just even doing this episode with you. So thank you. Yes. Yeah. Hey, thank you. I appreciate you both. And so we are going to do our meditation. And so today we are specifically going to do a breathing awareness relaxation technique. I think at times, you know, of course we're breathing because we have to, right, to be alive. Um, but to really practice those deep breaths is something that, you know, our body also really needs, right? And it's a great way for us to practice self-care as well. And so let's get started with that. Go ahead and start by closing your eyes if you are comfortable to do so, and place yourself in a comfortable position. Throughout this breathing awareness exercise, you are going to breathe as I instruct you. So breathe in to the count of four, then hold for the count of three, and breathe out to the count of five. So it will go like this. Breathe in, two, 
three, four, hold, two, three, and now exhale, two, three, four, five, and we are going to practice this, practice this again. Go ahead and take a deep breath in, two, three, four, hold, two, three, now exhale, two, three, four, five. Take a deep breath in, two, three, four, hold, two, three. Now exhale, two, three, four, five. So continue to breathe at this slow pace. While you are breathing slowly, I'll direct your breathing awareness to different stages of the breath. Focus all your attention on each stage I mention. First, notice the breath as it enters your nose. Notice each time you breathe in the way that breath feels on your nostrils. Feel the breath going down. Notice where the air enters your lungs. Allow your breathing awareness to deepen the feeling of relaxation you are experiencing. Feel the air expand your lungs with each in-breath. Feel your lungs expand and relax. Expand and relax. Expand and relax. Now notice the exhalation phase of breathing. Observe as the air leaves your lungs and how it begins to travel upward. Focus your attention on the moment of each breath. Now turn your attention to the breath traveling up and out through your mouth. Feel the breath in your throat, your mouth, and across your lips. Notice how each breath as a as it being a whole now. See how the breaths flow like waves. Picture a wave in your mind. Take a deep breath in and then pause. Then breathe out. Now as you relax, you can count your breath as they continue to flow gently. Count five deep breath in and out. When you are done with your five breaths, you can reawaken your body and return back, move your head around, move your body as needed, and you can slowly open your eyes. I hope this breathing technique gave everyone a little piece of self-care and realization. 
we definitely know the importance of self-care and practicing it. So we really appreciate you taking the time to practice some self-care with us. Yeah, I hope all this breathing that we've done every week will help me with my labor prep. Speaking of that, just to let everyone know, this will be my last episode for the next four months or so. I am taking maternity leave and I will be back in August. So hope everyone has a great summer. And speaking of that, we are also technically in, but also heading into uh, Sexual Assault Awareness Month and Child Abuse Awareness Month. And so our next few episodes will be focusing on those awareness months. So you can look forward to that. Thank you so much again, Marcella. This has been great. And I hope to continue being in contact with you Again, I'm going to ask your permission for me to write down uh, some words of yours (laughs) to make inspirational (laughs) posters from, even just for myself, I think it'd be great. (laughs) We really appreciate your time today. Thank you. I appreciate you and best wishes to you and baby on a safe and just healthy uh, delivery. Um, So much love to you and your boo on, you know, this arrival and I'm so excited for y'all. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'll post pictures on Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) I expect those coming. (laughs) So with that being said, thank you all for joining us for this one conversation.